Well, last week we started this series and uh, we started uh, the Show Me series and we talked about show me how to pray. And so we just looked at different, different practical ways of helping you communicate and connect with God. And we said that prayer is all about communication with God. And we communicate with God just the same way we communicate with everybody else. Um, and it's no secret formula. And so we talked about practical ways. Well, today we're, we're, we're going to show us or we're going to use the Bible to show us how to run the race. What I mean by Run the Race is how to stay on this Christian journey, on this journey of faith that we are on. It's so easy to uh, to fall off the journey, to fall off the path, to drift away. So how can we stay on this race? Basically, how can we stay being a true Christ follower, a true believer in Jesus Christ? So like we've already said, this weekend is Memorial Weekend. And without being like all negative and everything like that, today, traditionally, is the one Sunday of the year where churches experience their lowest attendance, statistically. And the reason for that is obvious, because the weather starts getting nice. People like to go to the beach. People open their pools, and for some reason, it takes all weekend to open your pool. Um, people, you know, go here and there. They, they, they like to, you know, just go out and enjoy the good weather. And so statistically... People don't come to church. Now, for a growing church, a church that is growing, a growing church always looks at Easter. And they look at their Easter attendance, and their Easter attendance will tell them if they're growing, where they're going to be in the next couple of years. But for a church that's declining, you always have to look at Memorial Day weekend, because Memorial Day weekend will show you if that church continues to decline, where you're going to be in the next couple of years. And so statistically, this is the lowest attended Sunday of the year. But it also is a real good indicator of where Christianity is in the United States. And the reason for that is because even though it's good to go on vacation, I love going on vacation. I love jumping in a pool. I love going to cookouts. I love all that stuff. It's great. But what really is, this is an indicator this weekend is that so often when something better comes along, we leave the church or we leave our faith and we go and chase after what seems better to us. It's more appealing to the eye because, let's be honest, a lot of us, instead of sitting in church on a Sunday morning, we'd love to be like getting baked like a lobster on the beach. And so that, uh, that is a good indicator of where we are as a country in regards to our faith. So today is Memorial Day, and I've already said that today is a day that we remember those who have gone before us, those who have given their lives. It's about the fallen soldiers uh, throughout the history of the United States who have fought for our freedom. And so we remember those people throughout this weekend. But what I started doing a couple of years ago on Memorial Weekend was I started having my own kind of memorial as well, as well as remembering those who have gone before for us and have fought for our freedom. I started going through and started remembering those who have fallen in their faith. And what I mean by fallen in their faith, not those who have given their lives because of their faith, not those who have been killed because of their faith. And th- throughout this, this, this world, each year thousands and thousands of people actually die because of their faith, because of their belief in Jesus Christ. And we should remember those people and we should basically honor those people who have given their lives. But what I mean is I started a few years ago, started to remember those who had fallen off this journey of faith, 
who at one point were all passionate about Jesus, following Jesus. They, they, they were all in in regards to their faith in Jesus Christ, but now they've fallen off the path. Maybe they're, 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 they've uh, taken their lives and looked and thought, well, instead of going that Christian route or instead of going that route following God, I'm going to try to find my own path or my own way. And in the almost five years that Generation Church has existed, we've seen many, many people who have come, found faith in Jesus Christ, and you're still here today. And, and, and God is working in your lives, and you've seen that your families have been restored, marriages restored. You've seen God do wonderful things in your life. You've found faith in Jesus Christ. But we've also seen people come in uh, uh, to, to, the, to this community of faith called Generation Church, and we've seen people who were once passionate about God, who were on this journey of faith, who were, who were doing what they could. They're living their lives for God who have now fallen off the path and fallen off the way and now their lives are not lives that serve Jesus Christ anymore. And when I remember those people, my heart breaks. I've even shed some tears for some people who I've seen in our church who have come and have fallen away from this path of this Christian journey, this journey of faith. Now, if and, and I'm I'm not I'm trying not to be like negative this morning at all, but if Christianity statistically continues on the path that it has for the last twenty years in the United States, then in ten years' time, half of you will not be here. In fact, in 2014, 17% of the population of the United States attended and were connected to a church. Um, each week. They attended each, uh, every Sunday morning and they were connected to a church, 17%. If the statistics like that, that they continue to decline, like they have been declining, by 2025, 5% will be connected with a church and be in church on a Sunday morning. So what that means, in 10 years' time, our little church of about 150 people will probably be a church of like 45 people. If we are an average statistic. And so when I see those numbers, it frightens me. In fact, it scares me the fact that this country, the country that we live in, that people before us fought for the freedom that we could worship Christ. Great men and women who years ago would, would, would give their lives for Christ that this country was founded on. Now we're drifting in a place where many of us, we will not even be following this Christian life, this journey of faith by the time our lives end on this earth. And you know what? It scares me. The reason it scares me because I can see myself being one of those statistics. You may say, well, Alex, you're, like, you're a preacher. It's like, you know, you're, you're like supposed to be like all passionate about God. And I am, and I love God, and I can never see myself falling away. But what I've discovered and what history has shown us is that men so much greater than me, so much more passionate than me, so much more greater impact than me have actually fallen away from the faith. And if they can do it, then I could do it. And if I can do it, you can do it as well. And so this morning, what we're going to do, we're going to look at some different examples of how we cannot fall away from the faith or what can cause us to fall away from the faith, what can cause us to fall away from this path that we're on. 
I'm sure you've all heard the saying that it's not how you start, it's how you finish that matters. Right, and, and you can be all gung-ho in something, and, but if you don't finish, then it doesn't matter. It's like you're running a race if you're running a marathon. I mean, you can train, you can have all the headgear, you know, you can have your tight shorts and your, your, your headband, and you'll be like, I'm all going for it. But if you get to 10 miles and you give up, then what was the point? You didn't finish the race. And that's the same in the Christian life as well. We can be all passionate about God, about Jesus, and we can do all this stuff. But yet, if we don't finish our lives following Christ, then what's the point? It's all very well being committed now, but it's how you finish. And so there was a guy called Peter who was the disciple of Jesus. He wrote an epistle, um, which was like a letter to a bunch of Jewish people who were scattered around uh, uh, Europe and the Middle East. And he said this to them. He says, for some of you, it would have been better if you had never known the faith because you fell so dramatically. Peter said it was better that you, you would have never known it. And so if that happened years ago, and history has shown us that great men have fallen, then I want to know how can I stop from falling. Uh, And I want to encourage you this morning how you can stop from falling so you can keep on this path, this Christian path. So this morning I want to give you three examples of types of people and actual literal people who fell away from their faith. And it's through these examples that we can look at their lives and see what caused them to fall away so that we can be aware to help us run the race and help us actually finish this race of this Christian life. So the first type of person that falls away is what I call the casual Christian. The casual Christian, if you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to the first book of Timothy, chapter 1, the first book of Timothy. Timothy is like... Uh, three quarters of the way through the, the New Testament. And what it was, it was a letter that a guy called the Apostle Paul wrote to a young pastor called Timothy. Timothy was a young man. He was probably in his 20s or early 30s. And Paul wrote him this letter to encourage him in leading the church that he led, which was a church at a city called Ephesus. And this is what Paul said to Timothy in the very first chapter of his very first letter to him. He said, Timothy, my son, here is my instructions for you. Based on the prophetic words about you earlier, may they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Then he says this in verse 19, cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some have deliberately violated their consciences, and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Hymenaeus and Alexander are two examples. I threw them out and handed them over to Satan so they might learn not to blaspheme God. So we have two examples of guys who fell from their faith. One was called Hymenaeus, and the other was called Alexander. And both of these men had, had basically fallen from the faith because of their approach to God. So the Apostle Paul, mentoring this young pastor called Timothy, he basically says to Timothy this. He says, Timothy, I encourage you, cling to your faith. Cling to your faith. So most of you know we ha- we've had this new baby come into our lives and totally changed and rock our world. And... 
Well, I've discovered that he doesn't like just lying on his own. He didn't like being on his own. In fact, I can hold him, and he's fine for a moment, and then he'll start crying. But when his mama comes, he's like a, such a mama's boy, he will come, and he will cling to her, like hold tightly onto her. And this is what Paul is saying. He says that to Timothy. You are to cling to your faith. He's basically saying, Timothy, Hold on to your faith so tightly and don't let go from what is right and what God expects of you. Another time in the Bible, Paul said this. He wrote a letter and he said, he said, cling to what is good. Then he used this word. He says, abhor what is evil. He says, cling to what is good. Basically, turn your back and turn away from what is evil. Stay as far away from what is bad as possible and cling to what is good. So there were these two men called Hymenius and Alexander. And they had both fallen away because the Bible says they had blasphemed against God. So often we think the word blaspheme, that some guy is like cursing God. You know, they they like hit a nail on their head and they said a word about God that they shouldn't have. And that's what we think blaspheming about God is. But here Paul is saying that that the word he's using here, blaspheme, isn't so much just a word against God or cursing God. The word here basically means an irreverent lifestyle towards God. They had become irreverent towards God. They had become casual towards God. Now, Hermenius, we know, and just this is just a fact. It doesn't really help us in what we're, we're talking about this morning. But Hermenius, he's also mentioned another time in the Bible as well. And basically, he had uh, believed this thing that the resurrection of the dead, because Jesus says that, that, uh, that I will come back again and the dead will rise in Christ. That's what they said. Basically, the people who are Christians who have died, they will be raised with Christ and they will reign in heaven with Christ. Hymenius believed that the dead had already been raised and that there was no hope for the future. That was Hymenius. And so he kind of was a little screwed up in his theology and stuff like that. Alexander, we know nothing about. In fact, Alexander is mentioned twice in the Bible. And this guy and another guy called Alexander the Compassmith, who basically opposed Paul, and Paul basically said it was the devil. And I'm like, thanks, my mom and dad, for calling me Alexander, when the two people in the Bible called Alexander basically fell away from their faith. I'm like, great, you know, good future for me. But that's all we know about these, uh, these, these two men. But what we do know, is that they fell away from their faith because of their irreverent lifestyle towards God. They were casual Christians. And what I mean by a casual Christian, they're the ones who fail to jump all in in their faith. They're the ones who who decide, well, I want a little bit of it, but I don't want all of it. In fact, they, they, they kind of grab a little, but they don't cling to their faith because they're worried about what's going to happen in their lives, what they're going to give up, what, what, what are the things that are going to be expected of them. They don't cling to their faith, but instead they hold it loosely. And the reason they hold it loosely is because then they can gain control of their lives. So they can have this faith, but they can also have control of their lives as well. Now, the enemy of the casual Christian 
is the conscience. And Paul says this, he says to Timothy, keep your conscience clear. Work on your conscience. This is the reason the enemy of the casual Christian is, a con- is our conscience, because our conscience will tell us, once we serve God, that we need to give more to God. We need to follow God more. We need to serve Him more. We need to become closer to Him. So do you know what the casual Christian does? They start to control their conscience. They start to, to, to control their conscience when their conscience once says, you need to do more, they will start to control their conscience, so their conscience will say, you can do less. They'll start to control their conscience, so their conscience will say, well, you need to be committed more, and now they've controlled it, so their conscience says, you're committed enough. The, 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 once their conscience would, would say to them, would say, you need to give all of your life, now they've controlled their conscience to say, you can give some of your life. And that's what happens with a casual Christian. In fact, do you know what Paul says? He says he's got advice for these kinds of people. He said, these kinds of people are shipwrecking their faith. They're shipwrecking their faith. And I'm sure all of you, you know people just like that. People who claim to be Christians to serve God, but they are shipwrecking their faith. Imagine if there was a captain of a ship, maybe a cruise ship. Maybe it was like an Italian cruise ship guy or something like that. You remember that guy? And they became very casual in their approach to sailing that ship. Maybe they didn't check everything. Maybe they were just like, well, I just do this for the fun of it because I just like going through the waves. And so they, they take this cruise ship out on the waves and they're in the middle of the Atlantic or the middle of the Pacific. And then suddenly a big storm comes. And if they're casual in their approach, then the possibility of that ship capsizing is so much greater than that if they were diligent in their approach. And then many other lives could be lost. And this is what Paul is saying. If you're casual in your approach to Christ, if you're not clinging to your faith as tight as you can, then the chances are you're going to shipwreck your faith. You see, Jesus said this. He says, if you want to lose, he says, if you want to hold on to your own life, control your life, you're going to end up losing your life. He says, but if you give your life away, if you cling on to me, then you're going to gain life. And so there's the casual Christian. The second example I want to give to you today is called the deceived Christian. The deceived Christian. It's found in the first book of Timothy, chapter 4. First book of Timothy, chapter 4, and verses 1 to 3. Paul says this to Timothy. He says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. They will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods, but God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. The deceived Christian. The one who's not following the truth of God. You know, in the last 10 years, I am amazed that truths that have been foundational for this Christian faith over the last 2,000 years and now being questioned by not non-Christians, but Christians. They are questioning the foundations 
that the church throughout history has been built upon. False teachers are on the rise. And you know what? Most false teachers in 2015 are not found the crazy cult guy who has 20 wives, 100 kids, and lives in a compound in West Texas. Even though some of those crazy people still exist. They're not the false teachers of 2015. In fact, there are some of them that are in the pulpits of our churches. There are some, but mainly the people in the pulpits of our churches are good men trying to teach the truth or good women trying to teach the truth. The majority of false teachers in 2015 are people behind the blogs and the books and the social media of today. That's our false teachers of our generation. Years ago, it was some guy who would teach and he would like pound his Bible teaching wrong theology and people would follow him. But now it's a lot bigger than that. You don't need a church to be a false teacher. You just need a blog. See, the false teachers aren't these crazy people. Now these false teachers are a young generation of young, hip guys, cool girls, who now they have a following, a large online following, and what they do is they take a Bible verse and they'll twist the Bible verse to bring along thinking towards their philosophy. Not even their theology, it's their philosophy now. And, and now it's a what seems right for me kind of philosophy. And, and, and other people who have been maybe struggling with some things of the faith. And, and let me tell you, not everything in the Bible makes sense to us. And it's not meant to make sense. It's meant for us to study. And it's meant for us to, to, to come together and discuss and, and, and let the Holy Spirit reveal it to us. But what happens is so many people, they're confused and now now they see somebody else using a Bible verse to, to give clarity to what they're confused about, and then they start to follow them. They use Bible verses to argue against a traditional Judeo-Christian values that for 2,000 years the church has been built upon. And, you know, I'm I'm reading a book at the moment about church history, and it's amazing because in every century there was different people who rose up with a different theology that tried to deceive the church. And it's so many, all these different, and you kind of laugh at some of these theologies. But I've discovered in in the the 21st century that we have a new theology that is coming to try to deceive the church. And I'll be careful how I say this, but it's the truth. It's called a liberal theology. And it's a false doctrine that will really lead people away from the truth of God. And basically, this is what it says. It says, if it feels good to you, then it's good for God because God is a God of love and God cares about you. So if it feels good for you, then God's okay with it. And the thing is about false doctrines and false theologies is a lot of the time they've got half of it true because God is a God of love and God does care about you. But the reality is, if it feels good to you, it doesn't necessarily mean it's right with God. And so we've got this liberal theology that's going around saying, well, if it's okay with you, and then there's like five Bible verses that we can put with it. And you know what? It's deceiving the church and even in our church where we believe that we teach the truth. And we, and we try to watch ourselves in what we teach and, uh, and, and we try to preach right out of the Bible. 
Even in our church, we've seen people who have fallen away because they could not accept the fact that there is a just God who is not okay with everything that we do in life. The deceived Christian. And see, when you give more credit to a blog or a book or a sermon than you do to what the Bible actually says, be careful because you're primed to being deceived. The Bible tells us that if we seek out the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit will come and the Holy Spirit will reveal truth to us. And when he reveals truth to us, then it's the truth that sets us free. And if we're not seeking and clinging to our faith, then how are we seeking out the Holy Spirit to receive the truth, the deceived Christian? So there's a casual Christian, the deceived Christian, and then finally this morning, I call it the strayed Christian. The strayed Christian. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Basically saying, come to me, come and help me in my work as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Have you guys ever tried to take a dog, like, like a, a, a dog who's got ADD or even a kid who's got ADD? Like take that dog for a walk. You take it, you know, through the, through the park and, and you've got a clear path. Does that dog ever stay on the path? It's like, no. That dog, he like, he smells a squirrel or a rabbit or he smells something else or another dog. And, 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 and you walk in and then it's suddenly like it's over here, it's over there and it's all over the place. And it like becomes a hassle trying to take that dog for a walk because they get so distracted and so many Christians become so distracted. There was a guy called Demas. Demas was a man who loved God. In fact, he was passionate about God so much so that the Apostle Paul took him under his wing and he helped Paul in the ministry to the different churches in, in Europe and in Asia. Demas was a man who was a leader. But the Bible says that Demas fell away from the faith because he loved the things of this world. He loved the things of this world. See, Demas decided that the path of faith, the journey of faith, wasn't exciting enough for him. And so he started chasing after things that had no eternal significance at all. And this happens all the time for Christians and followers of Jesus. They're going strong. They're, they're on the faith, this path of faith, and then suddenly they stray. Something catches their eye. And this is the hardest thing in the world to avoid. It's hard to stay on this Christian path. Because there's things in this world that catches our eye all the time. And the thing is, the reason it's hard not to stray is because often we don't even know it's happening to us. Say, tomorrow you decide to go down to Ocean City and you decide to get on like a big, like, floaty or like a, uh, you know, like a rubber boat or something. You decide, I'm not going to have any paddles. I'm just going to get in the water and just sit in my rubber boat. Do you know what's going to happen? You're going to start to drift and you're not even going to know that you're drifting. You're going to be like, this is so nice. You know, that 90 degree sun is just scorching my skin. 
I'm going to sleep so well tonight. You're going to be like, this is just wonderful. You know, it's like the salt water and the waves are bashing. It's wonderful. And then suddenly you're going to get up and you're going to look around and you're going to be like, whoa, where is everybody? What happens? Because the current's going to come and you're going to drift. And that's what happens with so many Christians. Because we're not careful in what we're doing or where we're going or what we're looking at. We start to drift and we don't even know we're drifting to one day we get up and we're like, I don't even know if I believe in God anymore. This is why I am such a believer in spiritual disciplines. And what I mean by spiritual disciplines, things like prayer, Bible reading, fasting, church attendance meditating on the things of God. And the reason I believe in them so much is because they keep us grounded. They're like an anchor to our soul that when we start to drift, they bring us back into alignment with God. And I say today, don't be Demas. Instead, be Paul. Someone who stayed his life, stayed the path, carried on. See, a marathon runner understands the emotions and the feelings of running a marathon. They understand the stages of life when that marathon is, it, it, it gets to a point where they feel most dangerous because they just want to give up and they want to quit. And they understand that and they train for that so that they can run through. And you need to know in your life the things that you can become casual about, the things that can deceive you. You need to know the things that you can drift away from and can stray you. See, many of you, you're just not clinging enough to your faith. You're holding it too loosely. But when you cling to it, it changes your life. For others, you're being deceived. You're playing right down being deceived. You're following people. You're reading things that are not biblical. Even though someone may quote a Bible verse, it doesn't mean it's biblical. And for some of you, you've just got a bad habit of drifting. You're like a drifter. You daydream too much, and you're looking around, and before you know it, you're like a lost little boy. See, the Apostle Paul, he had a secret to all this. He had a solution to it. It's found in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. And the Apostle Paul said this, he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I, preach, I, I press on to reach the end of the race And receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. See, Paul here gives us the secret to staying on path. To finishing the race. And the secret is this. Keep running and focus on the finish line. There is a finish line. There is an end to this this journey. There is a destination that we are going to. And if you keep the destination in mind, then the chances of you finishing and finishing well are much higher. For you may be feeling that you're losing your grip on your faith today. You may be confused by what the Bible says and all these different things that that you are hearing. What is right? What is not right? You may start getting distracted by other things in your life. 
And if that is you, then you need to think on this today. You need to think that heaven is the goal. Not this earth. Not this life that we live in. Heaven is the goal. Perfection is the finish line. God says he's perfecting us each and every day. We are being perfected. And Jesus Christ is the prize. See, many of you, you've strayed away because of different things in your life. Maybe it was a relationship. Maybe it was just trying to climb the career ladder, took your focus off God. Maybe it was some problems that you went through in your life or your marriage or with your kids. And it's drifted you away from God. For some of you, just TV drifted you away. But you've drifted. Others, you've just been so casual about your faith that it's, it doesn't really matter if you weren't living this life anymore because it really hasn't changed your life. And then others, you've just been so deceived. And if that's you today, then I want to pray for you. And I want to pray that God's truth and God's spirit just come and liberate your soul so that you start to see God for who He is. And that is an almighty, incredible Savior who is to be followed, worshipped, adored, who wants your whole life.